0: Let's find our spot, grab our Bible, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. If you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, raise your hand real high uh, in the air and wave them like you just don't care, all right? Real high. There we go. All right, real high. There we go on this side, all the way over, all the way over. See, I'm hip, y'all. Y'all didn't know that. You know you got a hip preacher when he's a rapping preacher, amen. <laughs> All right, raise it again anybody. Did I miss any? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. Raise your hand if you need a lesson. Okay. Are you glad to be saved? Are you glad for some 60-degree weather tomorrow? I'm, I'm, all Dustin's kind of people have had it with me. Are y'all with me? Meteorologists and atmospheric scientists who don't know what they're talking about. Amen. 60-degree weather. Mm. I'm venting just a little bit folks I got to get all that out So I can get my spirituality back to teach Amen First Peter 4 In verse number 1 I ain't going to lie I'm ready for some short sleeves Amen Amen, Amen. Amen. It, It's coming It's on its way But then we're going to get in the middle of June or August And we we'll say man I'll be glad when it cools off a little bit But until then we'll just whine about this Amen All right, all right. Now, I need everybody to do me a favor. I need everybody to look up at me. Give me a good smile. Come on, come on. Give me a good smile. There you go. If you're not, I'm going to point you out. So, all right. All right. Now, this just proves your face won't break when you do this, okay? So, we need to smile. Smiling is contagious. Have you ever noticed that? And they say, and they say, that you know, scientists say that it takes more muscles in your face to frown than it does to smile. That's why some of y'all are so tired all the time. (laughs) Amen? Let's turn that frown upside down and we're going to get a rest. Amen? All right. 1 Peter chapter number 4 in verse number 4. The Bible says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin." That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries, all kind of bad stuff we used to be. And I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad God took us from that junk. Amen? Amen? Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. That, that's the old crowd. They, they can't get it figured out that you're not running with them no more, and then they just going to start talking about you. Too good, just goody two-shoes. you too good for us now. Y- y'all know. Y'all heard it. Y'all might have even said it, but it's, it's, it's there. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to the, uh, to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Say that with me. But the end of all things is at hand. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, whatever you're planning on doing, you best get it done. Because I really believe we're in the end times. If, if, if Peter believed he was in the end times, how close are we? The end of all things is, is near be ye therefore sober pay attention be alert and watch unto prayer and above all things have fervent charity among didn't we talk about that last wednesday night how important love was have fervent charity among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins use hospitality one to another without grudging as every man hath received the gift even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. In other words, there's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. And, and what, what, what we say? Amen. Let me read one more verse and we'll pray. Verse 1, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves, we're in battle, we're in battle, arm yourselves likewise with the same what? Mind. "Mind. With the same mind, way of thinking, or the same attitude, attitude. Uh, I want to teach just a little while uh, tonight on the subject. Let's just adjust that attitude. How many of you have ever had a parent or a grandparent uh, who needed to adjust your attitude? You know, if we're ever going to be successful in life, if we're ever going to make it in, in the time of tribulation and turmoil that we face every day, if we're, if we're ever going to make it when, 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 the, when the going gets tough, uh, some of us are going to have to adjust our attitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. Are y'all with me? Let's pray. Father, please help us today. Thank you for a good crowd, Lord. This is great. Uh, people who are concerned about learning Your Word, concerned about studying Scripture, uh, Lord, I pray they won't leave disappointed. I pray as we as we move through this chapter, we'll we'll glean things that will help us and encourage us and uh, strengthen our faith. And and Lord, help us get through another day, another week, and difficult times that we're going through. I pray your will be done. I pray that you'll bless our prayer meeting at the end. Uh, uh, Lord, we're praying for a building, and we're asking you. We're going to gather around this altar, and we're going to petition you for the need that we have. And God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Harry Emerson Fosdick once told how, as a child, his mother sent him to pick a quart of raspberries reluctantly. He wasn't real tickled about the idea. He dragged himself to the berry patch, but his afternoon was ruined for sure. He thought, well, I ain't going to be able to play, go fishing, do whatever. But then a thought hit him. He'd surprise his mother and pick two quarts of raspberries instead of one. Now, rather than drudgery, his work now became a challenge. He enjoyed picking those raspberries so much that 50 years later, that incident was still fresh in his mind. Now, watch this: the job hadn't changed, but his attitude had. Though an attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Isn't it amazing how our attitude affects so many parts of our lives, for good and for bad, for good and for bad. And and here in this particular chapter, uh, we find the phrase "arm yourselves." With the same mind, with the like mind, uh, we find it in other places where the Bible says in, in Philippians, "Let this mind be in you, this mode of thinking, this attitude. Uh, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." Uh, same, same principle here. And there's three areas between verses one in verses eleven that I want to talk about three areas or focuses that our mind has to be on in our attitude toward these things that we need we really need to work on because you remember you gotta you gotta keep in mind who he's speaking to. Peter is speaking to people who are fixing to go through the fire. People who are fixing to go through some junk. So he's, he's wanting them, okay, before we go into this situation, before we face these fiery trials, and, and, and it's gonna get real detailed next week. So you, you really we really need to pay attention. Amen. Next week's gonna be really good at starting in verse 12 and on. But 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 before we get there, before we get to that fiery trial, he said, man, we need to we need to check our attitudes about some stuff. All right. So number one, number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. I want to I adjust our attitude towards sin. Many Christians need to adjust their attitude toward sin. We have a sin problem in many places, in many homes, in many churches, in many, uh, many Christians' lives. And, and, and it's, not necessarily, it's not necessarily that we're running around with prostitutes. It's not necessarily that we're hanging out at the bar and the juke joint and the, and the honky-tonk. It, it's not necessarily that we're on the corner selling dope or anything of that nature. Uh, uh, you don't have to be doing that stuff for sin to be a problem. Many times it's not, it's not the big sins, how we categorize sins. We, we like to categorize sins. We like to think that somebody else's sin is big and ours is little, don't we? And we, we like to say, well, that's a bad sin, and this is just a, this is just a little sin. And, 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 but, but sin is sin. And sin hinders. Sin hinders. The Bible says if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. Sin will hinder my prayer life. Sin will come in between me and God. It was sin that caused the problems to begin with in the Garden of Eden. Sin separated God from man. Sin is a barrier to the Christian and his walk with the Lord. Amen. Now, here's the thing. The Bible says, the Bible says in 1 John uh, uh, 1, and, and it says in this chapter, uh, he, that is, he, he that say he, he, he hath no sin, he's telling a lie. He's deceiving himself. He said the truth is not in him, Uh, but if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Y'all remember that verse? Now, he doesn't put that verse there so we can get saved again. We don't lose our salvation when we sin. We don't lose, let me say it again, we don't lose our salvation when we sin, but we do lose our fellowship when we sin. Now, me and my wife, uh, me and my wife, can be out of fellowship. We can have, we can have an issue in our life, in our relationship that causes us not to be together and causes us not to be close and causes us not to have the relationship we're supposed to have as, as a, as a married couple. But regardless of that, she's still my wife and you are a child of God. You are a say man right there. You are a child of God. And when sin comes in our life, we don't cease to become his child, but we cease to have fellowship with him. And he does not want to cease to have fellowship with you. He loves you. Listen, you are the heartbeat of his life. God loves you with an everlasting love and God loves to be in sweet, wonderful fellowship with you. And he has set up a way so that we can stay in fellowship. He has set up a way because he is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So God set it up so we could be forgiven and our sins could be washed away so we could have sweet fellowship with him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. So so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Way too many Christians, way too many Christians have have a wrong attitude towards sin. They have a wrong attitude towards sin. Here's the attitude. Well, you know. Here's what's happened in America. Have you ever gone in one of them romantic restaurants? we was in one this week wasn't really it was wasn't romantic but it was expensive amen (laughs) Uh, my daughter's 18th birthday was this weekend and she wanted to go to a certain place and I'm sitting there trying to read my menu and all of a sudden this blinding light from the other side of the table I thought an angel had sat down at our, 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 our bench and I look over and my wife's got her iPhone with a spotlight on it. (laughs) And the other girls, the other, our daughters are mama, put that up. Mama, what are you doing? Mama, everybody's looking at us. (laughs) Any of y'all got children like that? I mean, it's a dark in there. You can't even read what's on the menu at, at first. But you sit there a little while, and then, then all of a sudden you look down and, oh, it, I can read it now. It's not that dark in here. No, no, no. It's just as dark as it ever was. But what happened? We got used to the dark. And see, what's happening in America today is is Christians are getting desensitized to sin. You know, the Bible says because uh, because, uh, uh, iniquity abounds, the love of many waxes cold. In other words, because the atmosphere we work in and we live in and we spend our time in, it, it wears on us spiritually. And stuff that used to bother us, it don't bother us no more. And our attitude towards sin, it, it ceases to be what it needs to be. You know, when I, you know, when I can tell I'm walking with, r- real close to the Lord, all kind of stuff bothers me. Because see, the, the, closer, the closer that you get to the bright light, the more dark, dark stuff is. Amen? Amen? And so we as Christians, we got we to be sensitive to that. We got to be careful that we don't take a wrong attitude towards sin. And you say, what kind of attitude do we need to have? Let's, let's look at this a minute. There's, there's three things that we see between verses 1 and 3. It says, for as much then as Christ, he suffered for us. He suffered for us. I, I, I want to read, read chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us. He suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow. Then it says, verse 18 of chapter 3 For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Why did he suffer? For sin. The just for the unjust. In other words, the innocent for the guilty. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. In verse number one, we find the illustration. Write that down. We find the illustration. He said, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. The picture is that of a soldier who put on his equipment and arms himself for battle. Our attitudes are our weapons, and weak or wrong attitudes will lead us to defeat. Outlook determines outcome, and a believer must have the right attitude if he is to live a right life. Peter presented an argument to convince us to oppose sin in our lives. He reminded us that Jesus had to suffer because of sin. How can we, underline this, how can we enjoy that which made Jesus suffer and die on the cross? How can we enjoy that which made Jesus suffer and die on the cross? Say you had a a baby. It was your child or your grandbaby. And a murderer came in and took a knife and stabbed that baby to death. How proud of you would you be of that knife? Would you handle that knife? Would you show that knife off? Would you? No. No it would disgust us. We would never want to see that knife again. And do you realize sin is that knife? Sin is what butcher Jesus did that because of our sin. Um, what, what are you saying? We need to see sin like God sees sin. Our Lord came to earth to deal with sin and conquer it forever. He dealt, now watch this, he dealt with the ignorance of sin by teaching the truth and by living it before men's eyes. He dealt with the consequences of sin by healing and forgiving. And on the cross, he dealt the final death blow to sin itself. He was armed, as it were, with a militant attitude toward sin. Underline that. He was armed, as it were, with a militant attitude toward sin, even though he had great compassion for lost sinners. Now, our goal in life is to cease from sin. We will not reach this goal until we die or are called home when, when the Lord returns, but this should not keep us from striving. The central idea here comes to be the, the same truth is taught in Romans 6. We are identified with Christ in his suffering and death, and therefore can have victory over sin. As ye yield yourselves to God and have the same attitude towards sin that Jesus had, we can overcome the old life and manifest a new life. I need everybody to get this. I heard a preacher say this one time and, and he was speaking directly to me. We were talking and had a conversation about, uh, about sin and that type of thing. And he said, everybody, uh, many Christians have a wrong, a wrong perception of sin. You know, they say, well, we're gonna sin every day. We're just gonna sin that we're sinners, we just sin every day, and, and this laxadaisical attitude towards sin. And he said this: that 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 mentality of we're we're just gonna sin every day, that's not true. Yes, there yes, there's gonna be sins of omission that, you know, maybe I should have witnessed to this person and didn't, or or maybe I didn't pray today or, or maybe of that, but, but those sins, those, those committing sins that, that on, on purpose that we do, uh, those sins of commission and, 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 and we, he said, we can live holy lives. We can live holy life. We can live a life that is, is, uh, I'm very timid to use the word without sin. But let me say this, with very little of it. Now get this. Please get this. Because we got way too many people running around saying, uh, uh, preacher, preacher, uh, you know, we're just sinning. We're just going to sin every day. And, but but listen, if he is in the light and we're in darkness, we have no fellowship with him. And if it was impossible to live a very small sinning life we couldn't have fellowship with him and I'm being real sensitive how I'm using this terminology because I don't want nobody leaving here thinking we're all, we we have to be perfect or we could be perfect that's not what I'm saying but I'm saying this most of us can sin a whole lot less than you are Amen. and walk close with God let me say this it's, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for this illustration. You may sin, but it'll be an accident. Did you get what I just said? First John will blow your mind. It deals with he that sinneth. And 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 if if and basically the principle of it is talking about practicing sin. Nobody's gonna be sinless according to first John chapter one, but we're not gonna be practicing it. We're not gonna be practicing it. It's not gonna be a habit of ours. It's not gonna be something that's regular in our life. We can walk in a way with God and close to God in such a way that if we do sin, it was whoop as an accident y'all y'all with me y'all all for quiet we need to we can we should Jesus died so we could a good study don't have time to do it tonight but you're you're to you're to underline that part in romans six talking about being dead to sin you know uh we deal with we deal with also be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? I, I, I beseech you, brethren, in the first verse, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, God forbid that we live in sin. We got to die to it. He says, reckon yourselves dead unto sin. But that, that, takes, that takes some sacrifice. We got to die to the old man. We got to die to the world. We got to die to those things. And that's the problem. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Amen? He that suffered has ceased from sin. It says, He that suffered, He that has sacrificed, he He has crucified the flesh. That's what Paul said. He said, I die daily. We must crucify the flesh. We must get a hold of that flesh. We must. Are y'all with me? We'll come back to that. Well, because this is so important, man. I had I had an awesome privilege today to spend time at home uh, and, and with no distractions, and and up here. I hear everything i mean i i my, my, i 'm so a d d and all this kind of stuff, and i can 't focus my attention so i 've been trying to uh tried it out today I did it one other time, but I tried it out today just stayed home no 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 noises no no disturbances, no nothing just me and God and my bible and and man i 'm telling you what it 's awesome and i i i 've just been in the word and just spending time with god and and i i can 't even describe i, I can 't even explain to you the awesome privilege and, and the blessing of spending time with him. And some of you, you, you haven't even got close to that. And it's not because I'm a good guy. I'm, I'm working on being a good Christian. I'm telling you, I have my issues. But when we spend time with God, you, it will blow your mind what God will do for you. Amen. But we're going to have to deal with this attitude towards sin. You know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says in First John? If we confess our sin, Y'all know that part? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that word confess don't mean I did it? That's not what that means. He knows you did it. He saw you do it. It means to come into agreement with. You know what will make you stop it? When you feel about it like he did. when you come into agreement with him and you get the attitude towards sin, when you see what it did to his son, you want to know what God feels about sin? Look at Calvary. Boy, we need to hate sin. We need to despise sin. We need to treat it like a rattlesnake. not, Not get used to it. Well, that's just got 10 cuss words in that movie. It's okay. And I'm not trying to be judgment on nobody. We all know where we're at. We all know what we've allowed ourselves to get used to and what we've we've rationalized in our life when God's up in heaven the same amount of holiness he's ever been. I'll I'll ask you a question because God posed this question to me. Think back when you were the closest you've ever been to God and think about how you felt about stuff. Do you still feel that same way? Do you still allow those same things or do you still have a boundary like you did when you were close to God and walking with God? What's changed? That will determine our attitude towards sin. But we need to hate it. We need to despise it. We need to have have an attitude. Are you all with me? We see the illustration, Jesus died. Jesus hated sin. Jesus died for sin. Jesus wanted to obliterate sin. He wanted to wipe sin away. The illustration B, the obligation. The obligation, verse 2. Why did he wipe sin away? Why did he deal with sin in our life? Why do we need to get a hold of sin in our life? Why do we need to cease from sin? Why do we need to, 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 to deal with this issue in our life? Verse number two, because we have an obligation. That he no longer should, 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 obligation. He no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. See, there's always going to be two battles going on. One with our, our fleshly desires and one with the will of God in our life. We have an obligation to do the will of God. He died for us. Listen, He paid our sin debt. Uh, the terminology in the New Testament refers to Him purchasing us. In other words, if you got saved, you're no longer the boss, He is. And when you punched your ticket for glory, you lost the right to rule. You're no longer Lord anymore. You're no longer in charge anymore. I'm no longer in charge. I have a responsibility to follow the will of God. Now, some of us look at that real bad. We look at it like a tyrant and a dictator. Okay, he's the Lord now. I got to do what he said. No, man. You got to understand, this Lord that you have, this new leader that's leading your life now, he thinks you're awesome. And because he loves you so much, he wants the very best, coolest life for you, and he designed you in such a way to operate in such a way that what he's got planned for your life is the bomb. And you will love it. Even if you don't think so, even if you're afraid of it, even if you think preaching is for the birds and that's for that's for uh, people that ain't you. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Dogs don't talk back. Say amen. but I did change my philosophy when I went to the cattle sales. Amen right there. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about if you don't go and watch. Amen. I do have have an issue, though. Why is a dog man's best friend but diamonds are a girl's best friend? There's, There's something wrong with that picture. I need amen, men. What do you mean? What if God wants me to? If God wants you to, you will like it. Now, it might be fearful because most of the time God always calls us to do something we can't do. So he gets the glory. Y'all with me? But if it's his will for you, man, it's great. A, a preacher said at one time, he said, the will of God is kind of like pie. When he said that, I was all ears right there. Amen? He said everybody's, everybody's plan or God's will for everybody's life, it's like everybody has a different piece of pie and a different flavor of pie. Some people's got chocolate pie. Some people's got banana pie. Some people's got cherry pie. Some people's got pecan pie. Some people's got all and they're all different sizes. And, and this is what he said that got me, because I don't like pecan pie. Say amen. That's right. God ain't in that. Amen. That is not the Lord's will for my life. Amen. This is what he said about it. Because sometimes sometimes we'll have this idea, if his is a different flavor than mine, or his is a different size than mine, then I'm going to envy his. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. Whatever size you get, whatever flavor you get, you're going to love it. I had this crazy thought momentarily. That run through my head about being in a big city. You know what? If if Temple was in Atlanta, we could grow so much faster. There's so many more people. Man, we could have a church of five thousand, like just like that. If we was in Memphis, if we was in you know Birmingham or these places like man, there's no telling. There's no telling. And, and while I was thinking that thought. God sent me to do a revival in Atlanta. <laughs> About seven miles. It took me 45 minutes. I asked the preacher, I said, now, now you know, I, I, I've got my GPS here. And uh, uh, what time do I need? He said, now, you need to leave the motel by such and, such and such. I said, dear God, I'll get there way too early. He said, you may be late. Because you had to leave soap because of the traffic. And and man, about about five minutes. It didn't even take me three days of the revival to learn that God's smarter than I am. 157 is almost too busy now. I don't want to be in Atlanta. I don't want to be in Birmingham. I'm thinking about starting a mission in Moulton's. Amen. (laughs) God knew what He was doing. He knew what He was doing. I was talking to somebody. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and man, he, what God, just just who I am. I said, man, I'm nobody. I said, I, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, because He was talking about. I don't even want to go in, because it's gonna sound like I'm bragging. It's not. I said, I just want to go coon hunt, man. I don't need all of that. I don't want it. I don't even want to be. I just want to come preach to my church, and I want to go home and get my dogs and go coon hunting. That's all I want to do. That's God put me in Coleman for a reason. God knew what He was doing. Listen, I'm not. I don't even feel. I don't even feel right anywhere else. I don't feel safe anywhere else. I don't feel fulfilled anywhere else. I, my favorite place in all the world is right this little section right. I just love being right here. Can you tell? You know why? You no, know, oh, don't do that. Don't. Takes up time. Look. So does that. Quit, hey man. Look. The will of God is great. I know it's scary sometimes. I know when you see it, oh, I can't do that. Because it did, I mean, the will of God wigged me out. It, when, when, when God was calling me to preach, I was scared of that. Man, I, I, I can't even think of doing nothing else. I don't want to do nothing else. The will of God is perfect. And ladies and gentlemen, we're obligated to it. I'm obligated to be obedient to him. He did so much for me. I mean, how am I going to tell the man who's bleeding on a cross and, and, and hangs there for six hours bleeding to death that I'm not going to obey you? Listen, I promise you, don't ever, don't ever think the will of God's going to be a drudgery for your life. There is nothing like being in the perfect will of God. Church, say amen. amen. Let's go on to number C. Y'all can read that later. It's good stuff. Just read it when you get home. Verse number one is the illustration. Verse number two is the obligation. Verse number, verse number three is the motivation. The motivation. He said, for the time past of our life, how many of y'all remember where God drugged you from? That's motivation enough. Many times, many times, uh, God told the nation of Israel, remember Pharaoh? Remember Egypt? Remember those plagues? You remember that bondage? Remember the slavery? You remember the leeks and the garlics you were eating? You remember, you remember, you remember? Now, Paul says, Paul says, Forgetting those things which are behind, right? There, there are certain things I don't think we need to drug drudge up. I, I, think, I don't think we need to glamorize our sin or our past, and you know I think people do that way too much, but I, I do think there needs to be a certain amount of, of remembering where God brought us from as motivation to be surrendered to where He's taken us. I don't want to sin because I remember. What it did to me. I don't want. I don't want to mess with that stuff because I remember where it got me. I guarantee you, when that prodigal son got home, when that prodigal son got home, every time he saw liquor, he'd remember that hog pen. Every time his friends said, "Hey, man, let's go party," he'd say, "Nah, I believe I'm stay right here." Y'all with me? Motivation. Times past. Past. You remember where you were before you met Christ. There are times when looking back at your past life would be wrong because Satan could use those memories to discourage you. But God urged Israel to remember that which had been slaves. Slaves. And and you see, that's that's all the devil wants out of us is slavery. Church, say amen. amen. Number, number two, let's go to number two, starting in verse number four. He lists a bunch of sins in verse number three. He lists a bunch of sins in verse number three. I mean, some bad stuff too. And, and then he says this, and, and you're running buddies, they don't understand those ones you was drinking with, those ones you was smoking dope with, those ones you was carousing around with, fornicating with, and everything else—those that those that joined you in your sin—they think you've lost your mind. Look what it says: wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. Two things happen right here. Here's here's number two: we need to we need to have a right attitude towards sin, but we need to have a right attitude towards sinners too. We need to have a right attitude towards sinners. And, and I say right attitude because some of us just have an attitude toward them. Some of us have forgotten that we was right there where they was, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd still be there. Amen. We don't need no judges in here. We, we don't need no critics in here. We don't need no, no spiritual investigators in here. Y'all with me? Listen, we need everybody to focus on their own grass. Quit worrying about how high your neighbor's yard is and just mow your own grass. Amen. Look, we need to have a right attitude, A, toward their confusion. They're confused. They don't know what in the world's happened to you. You used to like to run around. You used to like to Drink and carry on. You used to like to cuss and fight and all that. I said used to. If you're still doing it, we need to move on back to point number one. Y'all with me? Because you're not even ready for point number two. Uh, you just need to get the CD and, and listen to point number one again. But unsaved people do not understand the radical change that their friends experience when they trust Christ. <laughs> this is funny. They do not think it's strange when people wreck their bodies, destroy their homes, ruin their lives by running from one sin to another, but you let a a drunkard sober up. You let an immoral person start living right, and and that family will think they've lost their mind. Well, you just become a Jesus freak. Now you're a fanatic. Now, boy, I wish we had some time right there. Amen. Festus told Paul, you're out of your mind in Acts 26. People told the Lord he was beside himself. Y'all have done gone crazy. Here's the thing. We must be patient toward the lost even though we do not agree with their lifestyle or participate in their sins. After all, unsaved people are blind to spiritual truth and they're dead to spiritual enjoyment. In fact, our contact with the lost is important to them since we are the bearers of the truth that they need. We need to, we need to look at lost people as blind people. Say, preacher, what do you mean? If, if, if uh, I was wa- Yesterday, that gentleman I was talking to, I was walking through the parking lot. And uh and I wasn't paying attention. I walked in front of a guy and he about stumbled over me and, and it's partly my fault, but it was partly his fault. And and he said, He said, Man, I'm sorry. He said, I was in an accident and and uh and I think he was on a motorcycle or something and hit a deer or something, something happened, and it blinded him in the eye, and he never even saw me. Now, what if I'd got an attitude with this guy and just raised candy and said, Well, you shouldn't have done that. He was blind in that eye. That's the same principle. We have people that come comes to church with short skirts on and y'all want to call them a floozy. They may not they may not be saved. That might be the only skirts they got. Now they don't need to wear them. Now if you saved and you're you, you you're a church member and you you a regular tender, you ought to have some decent dresses. You ought to cover stuff up. Amen. It don't need to be advertised. If it ain't for sale, put cover it up, say man. That's my philosophy. I inherited it from my father. Amen. He's here. If you've got a problem, take it up with him. Amen. You got guys come in here smelling like alcohol? Listen, they may not know. That may be the only thing that's keeping them from suicide. Amen. Amen. And I'm not trying to be critical because I've been judgmental. I do. I have the worst problem with that. Sometimes I'll see somebody, I don't like him. Don't even know him. him." Now, y'all don't look at me that way. (laughs) Don't we get that way sometimes? And we need to remember, we need to remember, Paul said it, he said it so well. He said, if not for the grace of God. If not for the grace of God. I, you know what, we need, to ha- we need to have people like that in our church. We, we, need, to, we, need, to, we need to have people in our church that dress in modest. I know what you're thinking, what? Because that, all that means is we're doing our job. We need to have people in our church that, that don't smell right and smell like they just come out of a bar. We need to have people in our church with, with, with their eyes looking like a Georgia road map. We do because that's who we're after. y'all with me? That's who we're after and and we need to sometimes we gotta be patient you know we we <laughs> our the life recovery ministry, poor old brother Chris, he catches it every week and staff meeting church you know. People, people that don't understand what we're trying to accomplish, and they did this and they did that. He's making out in the back and not, and you know, and, and we, we don't want them to do that. We we tell them not to do that. Y'all with me? We do, we really do. Before they get off the bus, Chris reads them the ride act, but they're gonna do it. Let's just be patient. Maybe you need to sit beside him and say, Y'all enjoying yourself? Help me. I don't know. Maybe they'll quit. I don't know. But but can't we be patient? Brother Chris, how many stories have you you seen and heard from from guys getting saved and and just leaves you in tears? Now, it's frustrating. I know it. Somebody will come tell me a story. One particular one. Came and told me, and I'm, I'm glad she did, so we could take care of it and all that. But I wanted to choke the guy down into the carpet for a while. Like, dude, what are you doing, man? We're feeding you, and we're we're going out of our way. Why why why, why are you going to act like that? But God was patient with us. How many of us? How many of us did God have to chase a long time? Before we got in and i trust me i'm telling you I, there's nobody that gets irritated as much as me when i'm up here trying to preach and they acting a fool out there and it ain't just them either now these other people i gotta tell a story can i tell we ain't gonna finish the outline we gotta quit so it, i gotta tell this story i want i want to i, I was in the middle of preaching <clears throat> and this old boy he ain't been saved long Ain't been saved long, just barely saved. You know, don't know how to act in church. Ain't never been in church, so he don't know how to act. And uh, and I'm preaching, and I'm going after it. <clears throat> and uh, and and I get right here, and I'm, i, I mean, you know, sometimes I'm preaching at the walls. Have y'all ever noticed that? I'm just, I'm in a zone, and I'm just, well, out the corner of my eye, I see him get up and head out. Now, my first thought is, really, right now. I'm in the most important part of the message. I'm in, this is the serious part. And and I'm, I'm talking to myself. Don't look. Don't look. Just keep preaching. Don't look. You're going to get distracted. Don't. And I, so I'm thinking, hey, sometimes you got to go when you got to go. Amen. I, I get that. But if you really have a small bladder, don't sit in the front. Say, man. And, and. I'm preaching, I'm going after, and I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Just a few minutes later, out of the peripheral vision, I see him coming back in. And the Holy Spirit says, don't look. And then Jesus said, don't look. And the Father said, I agree with them too, don't look, amen. (laughs) Don't, don't look. Y'all know what I did. I'm going after, him. and he's coming down the aisle with his drink. <laughs> Why'd I look <laughs> I'm like, really really you You needed a mountain dew right now? <laughs> My point is. I really don't need a point. I just want to tell that story. Amen. (laughs) It's not only you that gets aggravated sometimes. And the whole time, the whole time, you know what I thought? I thought about my father. And how many people gave up on him. And how many people even said when he got saved, ain't gonna last? Ain't gonna last. He's mean as the devil himself. It ain't gonna last. And God calls him to preach and look. So, hey man, get your Mountain Dew. I'm gonna keep preaching. Amen. <laughs> Let's be patient. Can we be patient? Can we be patient? just keep your outline, just keep your outline, we'll come back to that, uh, we're going to talk about sinners some more next week, amen, uh, uh, let's, let's adjust our attitude, let's, let's, let's try to be more patient and more understanding, because they're going to, they're going to think you're crazy, they're going to think it's weird getting up early in the morning and going to church at eight thirty in the morning, uh, which most of y'all are praying about doing this Sunday, and, um, Especially if you're in the third service, you're really praying hard about coming at 8.30. Uh, Hey, they about had to bring out chairs this Sunday at the 8.30. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Y'all ain't going to clap for that? Come on. Amen. Oh, oh, y'all was worried y'all was going to have to go to 8.30, didn't you? That's what that was. Listen, they're going to think we're crazy for tithing and giving and sacrificing. They're going to think you're crazy for giving up a meal that you're going to give for a homeless person. That's okay. That's okay. We can be patient. Amen? Well, let's do this. We're going to pray for our building, all those that will. Uh, We're not going to take up prayer requests because we all got them. I I believe everybody in this building has got them. God knows what they are, and we're going to call that out to him, but we're we're, we're going to pray for our building. Uh, the contractors are feverishly working to get that number down. And as soon as, as soon as they, they get that number back to us, we're going to share that with y'all, but it's going to be, uh, listen, the quicker we can get it, the quicker we can get in this building. I'm excited. Say, amen. well, let's pray. I'm mean, every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to, all those that will join me in this altar, we're coming and we're going to just grab a spot in this altar. If you've got a need that you need to tell God about, let's come tell him. Uh, Listen, let's pray. He says, you have not because you ask not. Let's bring our petition to him. We need to get.